0: All right, well, this is uh, Sunday School Financial Stewardship Lesson Number 7, and this lesson is called Contentment. Contentment is one of the most critical ingredients to having a budget and to staying financially prosperous. Contentment is something Americans know nothing about. (laughs) We, We know nothing about it because we have the world at our fingertips at the Walmart, or even now, Amazon.com's app on your smartphone, or eBay.com's uh, app on your phone. I, I, I we have a study. Um, I think it's with our eschatology lessons. I did some research and talking about wealth and abundance, and I believe it was in 2010. eBay did something like five billion dollars in sales at Christmas on their phone apps. That's ridiculous. That's just how much money is out there and how much insatiable ap- appetite there is. But let me give you our two statements that we've been giving almost every one of these lessons. First of all, there comes a time in every person's life, if they're going to advance, they must master money. You must master it. You must master it. Whether you're a missionary, whether you're a ministry, whether you own your own business, whether you're starting your lemonade stand, whether you're going to college, if you're going to advance in life, you must master money. Proverbs says that money answers all things. So if you can't master the answer to all things, not that money is the answer to all things, but according to Proverbs, money answers every matter. If you can't master that, you'll come up without answers. So we, we, if we're going to advance and I pastor all ages and I know folks who've, I can tell somebody who's mastered money and I can tell somebody who money has mastered them. When money's mastered you, you never have any i uh, kind of a hollow amen, actually a non-existent amen, but an amen nonetheless. When you've mastered money, it doesn't matter what happens to you, you always have something in reserve. You, you, you're always turning a profit. Proverbs also says uh, a man's gift is like a diamond or like a gem, and everywhere he turns it, it just prospers him. If you have a gift, if you, the gift of mastering money or mastering substance, no matter where you go, you'll turn a profit. No matter where you go, you'll have surplus. I traveled enough with business and geology and construction. You, you went with guys that had, we all had the same stipend the same weekly allowance, the same daily allowance for fuel, for hotel, for food. And some of those guys could make money off of that thing by the end of the week. And some of those guys could be broke off of that thing in the end of the week because somebody had mastered money and somebody was mastered by it. And so you have to come to a place where you realize, I want to master money so I have something to show for my life. Amen. The other quote we've been giving you is that without a budget... In your life, you're never going to prosper and be blessed like the Lord wants you prospered and like the Lord wants you blessed. A budget helps you to maintain anything and everything the Lord gives you. And so again, just reviewing, just to drive it in for a seventh time, you're going to have to have a budget not just for money, but a budget for your time, a budget for calories, a budget for what you do with your friends. As far as if you spend every waking moment with your friends, what do you do about your family? Yet, if you spend every waking moment with your family, what do you do about friendship? Uh, If you spend every waking moment on your job, what about your family? And if you spend every waking moment with your family, what about your job? You have to budget these things. And now here's the thing that we don't like as human beings. A budget is a restraint on our flesh. A budget is an awesome legalistic law that confines and restrains flesh. And that's why every one of us needs it. Paul said it this way, I keep my body under. One of the ways you can do that is with the budget. Paul didn't say in what area. He just said, I keep my body under. Sometimes your body wants to break out with fornication. You keep it under. Sometimes your body wants to break out with uh, more cherry pie. You keep it under. Sometimes your body wants to break out and sleep 15 hours a day. You keep it under. Sometimes your body wants to watch 15 hours of television. You keep it under. Sometimes your body wants to spend money on everything it wants. You have to keep it under. So in light of what our subject is, which is stewardship, financial stewardship, a budget is a good way to keep your body under, and it's lusts and wants that are financially based. Amen. And I also will add this for the 19th time. You have as much as God trusts you with. You have as much as God trusts you with. So be found faithful and he'll give you more. Set your faith on him. All right. So now with lesson seven, contentment. This is so critical. Just as a side note, contentment's the very first thing I taught this church as a pastor, taught on contentment, I think for six months. It's our first CD series we ever put together. I have a strong working revelation of contentment. And so it adds and helps us tremendously in this understanding. But just because you have an understanding of contentment doesn't mean you keep your flesh under. Uh, To be content is something you have to constantly exercise and train at. I know how to train for a marathon. Doesn't mean I'm going to run one. And you can understand how contentment works. Doesn't mean you're ever going to be content. We're going to have to learn as Christians that just because, just because we have a renewed mind doesn't mean it does us any good. Just because you know something doesn't mean you're doing anything with it. All right, let's look at our curriculum here. You must learn to be content if you're going to be a good steward over the finances God has given you. The Bible is very clear on the subject of contentment. Contentment and satisfaction are two totally different conditions. We'll define those here in a minute. But the Bible is very clear on contentment. And we'll look at a lot of scriptures on it. And we'll give you a definition here in a moment. We will define both of them. But the focus of this lesson is definitely on contentment. Until you learn contentment, you're always going to spend money trying to find happiness. And I think we've all done it or we have all known somebody who's done it. Who spends money because it makes them feel good. They spend money because it gives them a little bit of power. But then they go home and complain because they have nothing to show for what they spent their money on. Some people are, are wasting money because of, of pride and excess and namesake and notoriety. Some people waste money uh, just simply because they want to keep up with the Joneses or they're too good to buy a lower name brand. Now, thank God we don't have that issue necessarily in Cookville where we live. But you could, if you've ever lived other places, you know, some, some local cultures are hung up on name brands. And that's what they live for. Other cultures are hung up on hobbies and that's what they're hung up on. I think, thankfully in this region, we're not so much hung up on the name brands, we're not so much hung up on hobbies. We just, we, ha- we lack stewardship because we have a poverty mindset that pervades this region. So whether you, you're hung up on keeping up with the Joneses like Atlanta, New York City, uh, Hollywood, any of your bigger cities or whether you're hung up on hobbies like Louisiana, like any of your snow countries that do a lot of skiing or boating, Uh, or you just pour, you need to learn contentment. Contentment, here's our definition. This is a definition I've taught now for many years. Contentment is being joyful where you are on the way to where you're going. You desire much, excuse me, you desire more or greater than your current state, but what you lack does not affect your joy level. It's absolute foolishness to think something added to your life is going to bring you joy. It might bring a smile. You might delight in it for a moment, but that's not joy. Joy is what you have on the inside of you. Joy is what you have on the inside of you when you have nothing. Joy is what you have on the inside of you when they've beaten, whipped you and they've chained you to your preaching buddy and it's the midnight hour and you sing praises unto God. I don't think Paul said, I sure wish I had an eBay right now because if I could just bid on something and win it, it would really help this gloomy time in my life. (laughs) But you know, in our hard lives, when we're beaten, in our hard lives, when we're whipped, in our hard lives, when we're chained to our shopping buddy and life just doesn't seem like it's gonna go our way Boy, spending money sure does bring some Americans some what? Not joy. Because the joy of the Lord doesn't ever f- waver because you don't have something. So contentment's being joyful where you're at on the way to where you're going. You don't have to have a handbag, a clutch, a purse, a new shotgun, a new truck, new tires, new wheels, new rims, a new refrigerator to be joyful. Most of that's just lust or as my dad always said growing up, boy, that usually meant I was in trouble when my first name was not. It was, it was a very f- fickle thing growing up in my home. Very rarely did I hear Chris. It was either boy or John Christopher McMichael. Get in here, boy. <laughs> so dad would usually say, boy, you just got a bad case of the I wants. And he'd say, boy, that money's just burning a hole in your pocket. You're like your mother. <laughs> <laughs> I heard that a thousand times growing up. Amen. He never taught me how to patch the hole in my pocket. Satisfaction. And I tell you a funny story on my dad. My dad had hobbies. My dad was a very avid canoeer and whitewater kayaker when I was a young teenager, and he did all the big rivers. And was, my dad was was a pretty impressive kayaker and learned to do all the rolls. And we have this one picture where the, our Creek through our neighborhood flooded. My dad's out there kayaking in the whitewater rapids of the Turkey Creek, West Knoxville. And, uh, but my dad look back, you know, my dad was probably younger than I am now. He was ripped though, just huge arms and a huge chest from kayaking. And he, you know, this, the sport moved on. We grew up, we went to Seattle. So he, um, he never stayed with it because he just couldn't. And so, uh, he said so he bought that kayak. Mama bought that kayak for him Christmas of probably 1985, and we toted that kayak out to Seattle. I used that kayak to stay in shape when I broke my leg and couldn't walk. I'd go kayaking at the lakes. Then we moved back to Tennessee in 94, and that kayak stayed in the backyard, along with Dad's uh, Blue Hole canoe, on a rack he built up until about three years ago. And he wouldn't do anything with it. He wouldn't sell it. He just sat in the backyard and became a raccoon retreat. And so then I get this call. He said, Christopher, I, I'm always getting called Christopher anymore. Christopher, you won't believe this. Somebody came and stole my canoe and my kayak. I said, What? In West Knoxville? Yeah. I said, That's pathetic. Well, I found out two weeks ago, Mama donated it and never told him. <laughs> And she donated it to the camp I got born again at. And she told me, she said, I called up, Camp Bioka called up and said, have you got anything you can donate? She said, no. Wait, yes. Could you guys use a canoe and kayak? Well, yeah. All right, you need to come to my house between the hours of nine and three. And if you come in those hours, I have something for you. You don't even have to give me a tax write-off. Yeah. Anyway, there's a side note for you. Satisfaction is different than contentment. (laughs) Satisfaction is having all you want or could want or desire. When you have all you could want or desire, you're satisfied. This is accepting something as completed or good enough, not having room or appetite for anything more. We are, as Christians, we are commanded to be content, but never satisfied. Satisfied. And though we might use those words as synonyms in day-to-day language, biblically, there's a difference. You're commanded to be content. You're never commanded to be satisfied. When you're satisfied, you're done. When you're content, you're exercising faith and prayer on yourself not to get into lust. So you and I were commanded in every stage of life to desire more, but to be content till we get it. When you're satisfied, technically, you quit. When you're satisfied with the job, you move on to the next one. When you're satisfied with your life, you check out. When you're satisfied with the quality of an item, you don't look for anything better. So when you become satisfied, you, you stop putting energy in that arena of life. And that is why in, in most areas of our life, we're not permitted biblically to ever be satisfied. The Bible says of Abraham that he went home to heaven. He died. He fell asleep and was gathered to the grave when he was finally fully satisfied. And I hear the stories of the great men of God. They decide, they they finish their race and say, you know what, there's nothing more I want out of life. They said of Dr. Sumrall, when he, I think he passed away 84, 83, 84, 85, something like that in a, in a hospital room. He said, you know what, I think I'm done. He had just come back, I believe, from Tibet, from missionary work, and he had picked up some kind of disease over there, whether it was the flu or pneumonia, I don't remember. But Dr. Barclay told me he looked at his sons and said, Yep, hope you got money saved up for my funeral because I think I'm done. And he said, yep, I am. Goodbye, world. It's been nice knowing you. And they just went home. He was satisfied. His wife had preceded him in death, done raising his kids and his grandkids, and just he's just done. He's just done with ministry. And that's why you as a Christian, you don't get a right to retire from God. If you're a retiree, or whenever you do retire, you're actually accountable for more gospel work than you ever have been. Because when you're a retiree, you have more hours because you don't owe it to the man. You have a steady income called a pension or an investment or a 401k or retirement. And what else are you going to do? Garden all day? Can you garden right now? It's eight degrees outside. (laughs) We need your wisdom. We need your prayer. We need your work ethic. We need your ability to write cards. We need your ability to come to this house of God and pray. You don't get to retire. You only retire to die. That's why we do not encourage retirement from the things of God. There's nothing wrong with desiring and wanting pure things, but if you are convinced in your heart the thing you crave is what will bring you joy, and without it you will never be happy, you are consumed of lust. Lust isn't just sexual. Lust is not just sexual. Lust can be for a new toy. Lust can be for a new bag. Lust can be for a uh, a new hairstyle that you can't afford yet because, you know, you go to some of the hair parlors, you know, it's expensive stuff. Hopefully, you ladies have a budget item for your hair parlor. And, you know, I'm not against hair parlors being expensive, but I haven't paid for a haircut since a long time. Thank God for it. And if you're a guy and you're paying more than 15 bucks for a haircut, you you got issues. Big ones. No dude should spend more than 15 bucks on a haircut. Amen. We're very weak on that. I hope none of you guys are frou-frou like that and (laughs) got to spend 40 or 50 bucks on a haircut. Lord have mercy. I'll buy you some $30 clippers and you can thank me later. (laughs) As Christians, I don't know if that hurts your business, Susan. I don't know what you charge these guys if they come to you. $10, $10, hallelujah. It's good preaching. <laughs> I was like, wait a minute, I'm hurting one of my business owners. I better make sure we clear that up. Amen. As Christians, we are commanded to always be content. I, just to back it up, Pastor Ingolf was telling me in New York City, you can pay $500 for a haircut. What? <laughs> Not this guy can't, nope. That's a good handgun right there. hair gun or $500 haircut's gonna grow out in six weeks. Handgun wins every time. Amen. As Christians, we are commanded to always be content, but never satisfied. Faith is never satisfied with its current condition, for there's always more land to possess. Maybe some of us aren't having an improved life because we're just satisfied. Or the, the more sinful term is cope. We're just coping. You're not called to cope. Our pastor in Indy always said he preached it fervently. One of the best things he ever preached. You're not called to cope. You're called to conquer. Man, I love that. It just puts such a fight in you. Whatever you cope with owns you. Whatever you cope with has won. Amen. Whatever you cope with, you've surrendered to. Whatever you have coped, decided I'm going to cope with, you've declared it wins and I lose. And I'm going to be its slave. And that's why the Bible doesn't call us more than copers. We're world, it says, no, we're more than conquerors. We're world overcomers. Contentment will keep you from squandering God's money on something you don't need at the moment. And so you know how it is. Thank God people come up with stuff that uh, they, they can make money off of, but I'd like to say they're not going to make money off of me. Somebody's going to make money, and they're going to make money off of somebody, but it ain't going to be off of me. Sometimes that's a statement of faith on my part because I like to buy stuff. My wife is the serving gal and I'm the spending guy. So uh, she likes to save it up. She's the saving and I, uh, I like to spend it. That's part of it, I suppose. Thank God we balance each other. <laughs> if we were both in the same boat, we'd sink. Or be millionaires. Maybe I should have changed who I am. And... <laughs> All right, let's look about learning contentment here. Because this will help us with our budget. Philippians four eleven through thirteen. Paul said, "Not that I speak in respect of want. Sometimes that's all we talk about is want, 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 want." Let me encourage you this: if you have a strong walk with Jesus, you're not going to want a lot of stuff, because He's your fullness. He is the all in all. And you you show me somebody who's habitually in debt, I'll show you somebody who doesn't have much of a personal walk with Jesus Christ. That's not to say you won't go into debt to do things for God or to make a big purchase, but some people live habitually in debt and it's because they don't feed their soul the word of God, they don't feed their soul the things of God, and therefore they've got to feed their soul something. Your soul is always hungry for something. It might be stuff. It might be a new toy uh, a new car, a new tool, a new dress. But when you're, when you're walking with Jesus Christ, you, just, you get so busy with him, you just forget there's other stuff that the Lord might want to give you or bless you with. On the other hand, when you don't walk with Jesus Christ, you're always empty and hollow, so you're always looking to throw something at it. And those people usually end up hoarders or clutter hogs. The house is a mess, and their, their, their spouse or their kids are embarrassed of the house. And so we want to make sure we walk with Jesus Christ. It'll really, really, it'll fix every problem. If you would just walk with Jesus Christ, you'd you'd see all the kinks and knots in your life just pull out and smooth out. Of course, it takes work, and there's no app for that, walking with Jesus. Not that I speak in respect of want, for I have learned, so we're going to have to learn contentment. I have learned in whatsoever state I am, that doesn't mean Tennessee, Alabama, or Georgia, Right? He's talking about state of life, state of economic hardship, because this whole passage he's talking about is about money and supplies as a missionary. This is Philippians chapter 4. I've learned whatsoever state I am in therewith to be content. I know both how to be abased, that means having nothing, and I know how to abound, that means having more than enough money coming in as a missionary, Paul speaking, to, you know, you have to put it in boxes and put it on camels to go to the next town. He knows how to do both of those. Everywhere and in all things, I am instructed. So he's learning something, and he's also instructed both to be full and to be hungry. So you got to be full, but at the same time, you got to be hungry. And as I point out, it's easy to be hungry when you have nothing. You know, you are making minimum wage. It's all you think about. I'm so hungry. We have nothing. I'm so hungry. We have nothing. It's hard to be hungry when you got more money than you can shake a stick at. Amen. Paul said, both to abound and to suffer need. It's hard to abound, feel like you're abounding when you're not abounding, and it's hard to suffer need when you don't suffer need. But both of them take faith. If you're a millionaire, God says, believe me for more money. Well, I don't want it. The Lord says, no, but my missionaries do. Amen. Well, Lord, I got all I can need. My missionaries don't. My local churches don't. That traveling minister doesn't. So we we sometimes, we've been trained by America to work for ourselves." to make money for ourselves, I like what one guy said. We won't get too far into it as a church, but they said, what do you do for a living? And the guy said, I give. I give for a living. Well, no, where do you work? Oh, oh, well, I'm an engineer. What do you mean you give for a living? I give so God can give me more. That's what I do for a living. But in America, we were taught to work and get a job for ourselves. We've not been taught, not even by the church, to get a job so we'd have something to give to the gospel. When that's your motive, you don't ever stop looking for raises. You can, you can live comfortably off of what you know forty fifty thousand a year, but when when you when you get to your comfort level, well then you stop advancing because i 've got all my needs taken care of well, that sounds selfish doesn 't it? I have all my needs what about paul 's needs what about peter 's needs? What about the church at antioch 's needs What about the church at jerusalem 's needs so sometimes we, we shut our faith back when when i right, I'm full. Why, why don't you think about taking a doggy bag home for the dog or the kids or the babysitter? Sometimes we just, we got to broaden our vision a little bit to think more, to think bigger. You don't get a right to just take your ease once you have all your supply and tear down your barns and build bigger barns and say, all right, I'm done advancing. You don't get to do that. Uh, there, I don't know the name of the company. It's not Caterpillar, but there's another world-class Uh, heavy machinery manufacturer, that guy invented the wheel, the engines that go inside the wheels of these massive earth movers like in huge open pit mines and uh, he may be in heaven now but he was a tither and he was so wealthy he got to where he he lived off of 10% and still gave 90% of his personal income from his company away and was still a multi-multi-millionaire and couldn't spend the money fast enough. So he'd give more away and his company would just prosper more. But he just kept growing and growing and just putting 90% of it in the kingdom. Having more than he could ever shake a stick at, so we gotta we gotta broaden our horizons. We don't we don't prosper just so we can live like Paris Hilton or Britney Spears or any of these idiots that are going to go to hell if they don't repent and go to Christ. We prosper so that the missionary has his needs supplied, so the local church can reach the lost, so the gospel could be advanced. Amen. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. That is the context of that verse contentment is the context of I can do all things through Christ. Now, we quote that for everything, but the context with which that scripture is inspired is the context of finances and contentment. You don't have to waste money on lust. You can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. And some of you that love to spend money, it would be a good idea that whatever that thing is you're lusting after right now, burn it on the altar and tell the Lord, I don't have to have it. I don't have to have it. I can be free from this desire that's more powerful than the blood of Jesus right now. All right. Paul testified he had to learn to be content. If Paul had to learn learn it, so will we. In our society today, it is easy to borrow money to satisfy your longings, wants, desires, and lusts. Contentment is joyful in every state it may find itself. And on top of that, what's the last thing you lusted after and you purchased? Where is it today? Did you take care of it? Is it still polished and clean and pretty? Do you know where it's at right now? Or did you trash it? Most folks who go into debt constantly to buy junk or buy stuff, it ends up junk. Because they're demonstrating they don't even really know what it is. They just know that they're not happy. And so they've been taught by our culture, spending money will make you happy. There's a feeling that goes along with spending money. Well, if you want feelings, get you some sandpaper out and rub it on the back of your hand. You'll feel something, but it won't feel good. But you got to learn to walk in Jesus Christ. And unfortunately, let me throw this out there. You can be in this church 25 years and not have learned how to do that yet. You could have served in this church for 25 years and still not know how to walk with Jesus and be content. Amen. Amen. Don't let that be you. Paul was also instructed to be full and to be hungry. Full is being content. Hungry is being dissatisfied. You want more and you want better. Wherever you are in life, having a lot or a little, you must be both hungry and full at the same time. You must be both content and yet dissatisfied at the same time. This seeming contradiction of heart conditions will take help from God, which is why Paul followed these verses with, I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. Amen. So our next verse is 1 Timothy 6 five through eight, he says that these, these perverts, Paul talking to Timothy about these perverts in the gospel, these perverted preachers, they suppose that gain is godliness. Isn't that Christian television and the perversion of prosperity over the last 20 years? Gain is godliness. All right, tell that to the mafia and the Shah of Iran or the porn industry or politicians. Gain means you're godly. That don't mean nothing. What, John the Baptist, was he Godly. Was he rich? No. No. What about the Joseph in the prison cell? Was he godly? Was he rich? Rich in manure. Rich in feces. Rich in pain and torment. Now, gain is not godliness. But godliness actually says, from such withdraw yourself. You shouldn't run with people that think their stuff proves they're holy. Don't run with those kind of people. Leave those kinds of churches. Leave those kinds of churches. That's a perversion of the gospel. But godliness with contentment is great gain. So, godliness with contentment will add to your life. That's what gain is. Godliness with contentment. For we brought nothing into this world. Did you know that? Did you know you didn't leave a suitcase in your mother's womb? That's not why babies cry when they come out. Of gold in there. There's a pot of gold in that uterus. That's not why they cry. <laughs> and it is certain we can carry nothing out of this world. Amen. And in fact, you go worse than you come. You come all pretty and cute and smooth, and you go all wrinkled, ugly, and old. They pump you full of formaldehyde, it kind of, it's like a Botox after death. That's why everybody says, don't they look so good? It's because the mortician pumped them full of formaldehyde and put a lot of makeup. I mean, I've I've done a lot of funerals now. Often dead people look better than they do when they're in my church. (laughs) You take nothing with you. Your family has to come and pick the outfit out. And then your family vultures and cannibalizes your remains. Your home, not your body, your, you know, your house and stuff. And, and what do we do? Estate action, auction. That's how you hawk all of grandma's junk. Estate auctioning. Because otherwise, what? What's going to happen with it? In fact, even the Bible, I think Ecclesiastes says, and Psalms 2, what happens when the rich die? Their belongings go to somebody else. So why hoard it up? Amen. It's apparent we can take nothing out of this world. And having food and raiment... Food and raiment, let us therewith be content. All right, so this morning, unless you skip breakfast, every one of you is in this verse. You have food, you have raiment. Therefore, anything you want really badly right now that you can't afford, abort it. If you're going to do the word right now at this moment in this service, anything you think you have to have, if you have food and clothing, anything apart from that, abort it. Say in your heart, Lord, I'll turn it over to you. I don't have to have it. Because it's not going to add anything to you anyway, especially if you're in debt. Now, I've, I've preached this now four, five, six, seven years and I watch my own life. I, I scientifically investigate my own life and I, my wife and I have these constant conversations. All right, honey, I say, honey, there's nothing else I want for now. <laughs> and she always laughs because she knows there's something's gonna come up I'm gonna see online or hear about on a blog or somebody's gonna tell me about and then I'm gonna think about it and then it's gonna rest upon my heart and then I'm gonna set my faith upon it not even Holy Ghost faith, just I got to have that. And all of a sudden it starts all I can think about. And, and it's amazing, I can make the money materialize for it. Whether it's a toy, something for a hobby, a gun, a gun um, accessory, something for my truck, anything guys spend money on. That's what I spend money on. A ho- you know, an- another hobby or something for the yard. But that doesn't make me holy. It doesn't make me content. And what, sadly enough, it is, we don't set our faith on the things that God wants or the offerings God wants us to give or the projects God even assigns us as Christians. When's the last time we said, you know what? I'm gonna daydream about the next minister we have come in and I'm gonna, I'm gonna set my faith on a good $500 offering. And just let that stew in you and marinate in you and use the same faith that you used to grab money for your hobby and use that faith to grab that money. where it, We don't know where it comes from. It just comes to us. And use that to bless the next minister or missionary or, or next project we have for the church. Because we're too busy consuming our own lives upon our own lust because it's all about us. Amen. And we just have to be mindful of that. Contentment will liberate you from the Joneses. Don't forget the Joneses are in debt. Amen. Just because you have stuff doesn't mean God has given it to you. Think about that. Just because you have stuff doesn't mean God has given it to you. I've gone to buy stuff before and the Lord stopped me. Now this this is maybe a minor and insignificant testimony, but it means a lot to me. Ever since I was in Bible school, ever since before Bible school, I wanted a Walther PPKS stainless steel ACP 380 or 380 ACP. I even wrote a paper in Bible school about this thing I wanted because we had to write a faith paper, right? Believe God for one month and write a paper about whether you got it or why you didn't. So I wrote at Dr. Summerall's Bible school about I wanted a Walther PPKS 380 ACP stainless steel pistol. And I believe my, I believe, use my faith and use my faith and use my faith never got it. And still got the A on the paper, because that wasn't the point. Getting it wasn't the point, but just believing in God for something. And so then we moved down here, and my, my wife and I were married, and, and so I still want this gun. I've wanted this gun for years. And uh, we had the money saved up, and my wife even found it on sale in uh, some Mount Juliet or something. And so we were actually eating at O'Charlie's, and I said, Honey, I'm going to go get the gun today. And she said, Okay. So, you know, we got the magical words of agreement. We're in agreement. Well, you can both be in agreement to being stupid, <laughs> and so I said she said okay and I literally got in my truck and was headed about to head to Mount Juliet and I just had no peace about it I just on the inside I, mean, well, I said Lord I got the money we don't have any bills we're out of debt It's just a pistol I got a bunch of pistols this is one I've always wanted since Bible school but all right Lord he, he wouldn't let me go by I had no peace about it and I don't know is maybe two months later a bunch of you guys bought me the same pistol and went and, and gave it to me as a gift. And and I don't know if I told anybody that I probably preached it because it's just something I've always wanted. But but you know, to me it means a lot more to me that people would buy it for me. It's just about a four hundred fifty dollar pistol. It's not even an expensive pistol. And yet if I'd have gone and gotten it, it wouldn't have been God. But but at the same time some guys felt like they wanted to bless their pastor and honor him with a cup of water from Bethlehem's well because I just happened to say, Man, I wrote a paper about this gun. And so you have a better testimony when you wait on God to do it than your lust and your power and your might, because God's given you that, but you can pervert it, the power and the might. So you got to learn to be content. And like I said, you can be in agreement, but you both be agreeable to dumb. So the whole power of agreement isn't always a positive thing. Remember, they were all in agreement to build the Tower of Babel, and God said, this is perverse. And if I don't stop them, they'll accomplish this, and it won't be my will. All right. Just because you have stuff doesn't mean God has given it to you. And an abundance of stuff doesn't mean you're godly either. Instead, walk with God, be content, and this is biblical gain. If we have food and clothing, if it will suffice us for now, we should be content but not satisfied. Hebrews 13, 5, let your conversation or lifestyle be without covetousness. So we need to pray against covetousness in our life. And be content with such things as you have. So wherever we're at this morning, we're to be content. Doesn't mean we're always gonna be there. Doesn't mean it's where God wants us to stay forever. This doesn't mean it's our retirement life. But you gotta be content for now so you don't go crazy with lust or perversion. For he has said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. Well, if he won't leave you or forsake you, he sees right where you're at and he will deliver you or promote you or give you a step up. But if you leave before he's able to come and find you there, how's he gonna promote you? You may go and set up a shop in the wrong place or go and pur- pursue the wrong thing. Contentment is anti-covetousness. You know, that's one of the 10 commandments, thou shalt not covet. I, I, I don't understand these yahoos that say we're free from the 10 commandments when Paul just quoted one of them here. Let your life be without covetousness. That kind of sounds like thou shalt not covet. Uh, we're under the new covenant. Uh, we're free from the Ten Commandments. Well, I, I found one that we're not free from. I, I think we're pretty much not free from thou shalt not murder. I think the Bible says don't be a murderer in the New Testament. I think the Bible says don't be an adulterer. Don't lie. Oh, gosh, so I guess we're just free from six of the Ten Commandments. Wait a minute, we can't worship other gods either in the New Testament. All right, so we're free from five. Shall we go on? Yeah. Yeah. Those kind of folks are what I call spiritual theological retards. Because their theology is retarded, as in it doesn't grow, it doesn't advance. It's stunted. All right. Covetousness is the lust of money. Contentment will keep your heart free from this lust. God knows the things you have need of in your life. Serve him and he will provide for you. Take no thought for the morrow. For the Lord knows you have all need of these things. Seek first the kingdom of God and all these things shall be added unto thee. Amen. Luke 3. And the soldiers likewise, this is Jesus. He demanded them saying, and what shall we do? Excuse me, they're talking to John the Baptist. And the soldiers likewise demanded of John the Baptist saying, what shall we do? Because now even Roman centurions are wanting to get in on John's baptism and bring forth fruit of repentance. And he said unto them, do violence to no man, neither accuse any falsely. You know, when you're in the military, you have a lot of power where you can throw people under the bus and pervert things. Basically saying, don't, don't be a, a malicious soldier in this occupying force. This was the will of God. God wasn't saying withdraw your troops. He didn't say, get back to Rome. He said, while you're here occupying my people, (laughs) because it was the hand of God that allowed Rome to take over Israel, fulfilling their judgment. We don't like to talk about the judgment of God. We want to think we don't deserve any of it. What shall we do? Do violence to no man, we would say, uh, without, without cause. Neither accuse any falsely. You can make accusations. They just can't be false. And be content with your wages. Well, if you're content with your wages, you're not going to use your authority to steal from a Jew or steal from whatever land you're occupying because you're content with what the Roman Empire is serving you so you don't have to use your sword to steal because they could do that. But notice the Bible teaches us to be content with our wages. I wish the politicians would read the Bible and quit trying to bankrupt our nation with stupid political actions and laws because lazy people deserve $19 an hour? Absolutely not. If they'd read the Bible, they'd say they could see that they would be content with their wages. Honestly, nowadays people can make more by not working because our government is such a shiftless nanny state. They wanna buy votes from the laziest, most uneducated people in our country who wanna go nowhere and do nothing. This is John the Baptist preparing the way for Jesus. He is telling the Roman soldiers, you know, we're soldiers too, what kind of fruit they should bring forth to prove they are ready to walk in the kingdom of God. This is how you prove you're ready for the kingdom of God. Be content with your wages. Christians often whine and bellyache themselves out of promotions and raises. Be thankful for what you do make and don't complain about what you don't make. Remember, promotion comes from the Lord. And besides, you agreed to work for a certain wage when you were hired on. I think we've all had that testimony. Oh, Lord, thank you so much for giving me this job. I'm just so thankful. Then a a month into it, this ain't enough money. No, No, they treat me bad here. Well, a month ago, you were just so glad God heard your prayer and gave you a job. What happened to your heart? Things that will change your financial contentment. So here's how we got our faith building this morning about how to be content, how to be content. I'm gonna be content, I'm gonna save money, I'm gonna be content, I'm not gonna waste money. Now here's some things that are gonna change your contentment level. You must be prepared to have your contentment challenged and attacked, amen, hallelujah, I can testify to that. Just as soon as I've bought everything I wanna buy, my wife smiles, and then they come up with something else that I have to have, amen, amen. Or another something has got to add to a collection. All, all in an effort to satisfy your lust and break you financially. Below is a list of common distractions and things that will never, never bring you joy. And again, let me be very clear. Sometimes we buy stuff because we don't have a walk with God. And we're, we're not happy in life. If you would serve Jesus, you'd really be too busy to waste money. You'd be too full to waste money. If you actually had a Bible time and a prayer time, that would fill your soul up. You'd look at anything and say, I could take it or leave it. I'd rather have the money. I'm thinking for a wife who says, I'd rather have the money and savings than something shiny on the shelf. That's a good place to be. I'd rather have the money and savings than something shiny on the shelf. That's a good place to be. How much more shiny stuff do you need? Sell all the junk you don't use and use that money to buy you something new and shiny. Or go back and rediscover the old thing you wasted money on, polish it up, and it'll be shiny on the shelf. It didn't cost you anything but elbow grease. There's nothing wrong with any of the following, but they can be a source of ruin. Number one, electronics. Boy, we live in the electronic age. And doesn't Apple own us? And we don't even know what half of it does anyway. The app thing, that the whole app revival's petered out. They're, they're desperately frantically scrambling for new apps that people want to buy because what else can you app? What else can you appify? That's where Apple makes $15 billion a quarter is off of apps. But those are old hat now. So they're always chasing the next thing that we have to have. Even Apple is chasing the next product that we have to have. They're pretty sure it's not going to be this watch. I mean, really, who needs a $400 watch that's out of date in six months? Let me introduce you to the Timex Ironman. Thirty-five dollars at Walmart. It has gone up fifteen dollars since I first bought mine in college, high school, but it still has Indiglo. Indiglo came out in the early '90s because I had one of the first Indiglo watches, and I've had one ever since. Thirty-five bucks, and it does everything I need it to do. And if I want to talk on my phone, I can get my phone out. I don't have to be like Dick Tracy. If anybody knows who Dick Tracy is? <laughs> I'm not against the new Apple I watch, but if you can't afford it, why would you buy one? Because you're full of lust, and you don't honor God with your stuff. Don't fall in the trap of having to own the latest and greatest of everything. The newest model is soon to be released, and as soon as you buy it, it will be out of date. Entertainment. Much time and money is wasted on entertainment. Also, notice you don't accomplish anything while you're being entertained, we're not against entertainment, but some folks, they, they got to be entertained every night of the week. You don't accomplish anything sitting on your duff, feeding your eyes. When my wife and I, we never, we've never paid for cable. We had it for free with the apartment we moved into when we got married. When we moved and bought our house and didn't have cable, we weren't about to spend 100 bucks a month on cable, whatever it was. We got so much done. And my wife and I, we said, what did we do before we had, ca- before we, uh, before we had no cable? And I said, nothing. We did nothing. That's what we did every evening. Nothing. What did we do when we had cable? Nothing is what we did. Now, honestly, now I, I probably read 20, 25 books a year on every subject you can imagine. On top of everything else we do and everything else we say and everything else we go and, and, and read. Because we don't have to be bored or, or waste money on television or entertainment or whatever. Let entertainment be a special occasion. It will make it more valuable. Clothing. You don't need any new pair of shoes, jeans, blouse, or accessory. Come on. Food and beverage. You don't need a Coke every time you go to the gas station, grocery store, or restaurant. You know, Coke's about $2, $2 fifty, three dollars every time you go to the restaurant. You know, it probably costs them 20 cents. That's where they're making their biggest profit margin is on your soft drink. And everybody has to have a Coke. That's $12 added to your bill if you've got four people going out but you can't afford to tithe. You can't give to the missionary that comes through, but you can have a Coke every time you go out. If you can afford it, great. But just saying, dining out, if you can't pay your bills, you can't afford to eat out. Also, if you can't afford to tip, you can't afford to eat out. Make sure you tip. They saw you pray over your food. One of the most hurtful things I've ever heard said was out of an employee at O'Charlie's. And they joked, they said, when Christians would go out to O'Charlie's on after Sunday, they said, "Ah." Oh. <laughs> Well, no, they said nobody wants to work Sunday restaurant because only the Christians go out to eat, and they say Christians don't tip. They're the worst tippers, and then the joke is it's because they just gave all their money to God, to which I say that's a lie too. If the American tithe rate is 3%, not 3% of income, only 3% of Christians in America tithe, that's pathetic. I will add this, I got to hurry up and close. I recently just did the math. The largest church in America. Their average tithe rate is $1,800 a person. It's the largest church in America. The average person in their church, 18 babies to old people to the millionaires, the average person, the largest church in the nation gives $1,800 a year to their church. Our church, the average person is 2,700. The large, one of the largest churches in town is 1,500. Don't ask me how I got those numbers. <laughs> Pastor has many connections. So we almost nearly double even the, one of the largest churches in town in our tithing. So it's not us, but it is the body of Christ in general I speak of. Vehicles, take care of the one you have and it will last longer. Use wisdom when purchasing because nothing depreciates in value faster than a car, except for maybe plastic surgery. Cars don't. Ju- <laughs> cars don't just have a flat cost. They also require insurance, fuel, maintenance, and tags and registration. Stuff, don't think having more stuff will make you happy. Hoarders are never happy, just junky and poor. Ecclesiastes 5.11, when goods increase, they increase that eat them. And what is, what is there to the owners there of saving the beholding of them with their eyes? You just buy stuff and put it on the shelf. Vacations, our only, only Western cultures have developed a need for vacations. And I'm working on a curriculum on the American vacation. Probably be a two-part thing. You are not entitled to a vacation, and going three or four times a year with three or four years without one will not kill you. Going three or four years without a vacation will not kill you. Furthermore, according to Hebrews, if you'd walk with the Lord, you'd have your rest. Vacations are not about rest. Don't fool yourself. Walking with Jesus Christ will give you rest. Most vacations require vacations, so do not deceive yourself into thinking you will actually find rest on a vacation. Our rest is in God. Relationships. Don't seek joy in relationships, romantic or otherwise. Though they do bring joy and happiness, if you're not full of joy going into a relationship or friendship, you will have nothing to offer it. From the romantic perspective, make sure you can afford to court, marry, and take care of a family. Amen. Be content with such things as you currently have. Ecclesiastes 5.10. He that loveth silver shall not be satisfied with silver, nor he that loveth abundance will be satisfied with increase. This is also vanity. Amen. Father, you help us to learn contentment. You help us to learn to be content with such things as we have. Father, I thank you for helping this church to get out of the debt that we may have in our private life. I thank you, Father, for prospering us and taking care of us, not just so we can live wealthy, but we can have to give to every good gospel work that you speak to us about. May we build the kingdom through our giving and wealth. In Jesus' name, amen.